Welcome to Inspiration Rising. I'm your host, David Trotter, and we're here to inspire you to rise up in your life, love, and leadership. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned we were looking to change the name of the podcast to better represent our audience. You know, people have been loving the interviews, but the previous name, Launch Yourself Today, which I still love, by the way, and the branding, all of it together, didn't seem to be getting the traction that we were looking for. So we shared a number of options with you and received lots of votes. And the winning name, which you've already figured out, obviously, is Inspiration Rising. I think it's really cool. It's catchy. And I love our new website. You've got to check it out. It's insporising.com. I-N-S-P-O rising.com. And all of our social media accounts can also be found by going to Inspo Rising. That's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and then on YouTube, just search Inspiration Rising. So we've got all the new episodes are coming out on all of those social media platforms, and I think you're going to love our new website, insporising.com. Well, today I want to introduce you to Maria Rabaino, a professional dancer who also happens to use a wheelchair in her day-to-day life. On April 13, 2012, Maria had just started her second semester at college, and she was in a horrible car crash resulting in a broken back that paralyzed her from the hips down. I'm excited for you to hear about Maria's courageous recovery and the Rolettes, a wheelchair dance team she joined just five months after being paralyzed. Yes, I said it, a wheelchair dance team. You've got to check them out. They're really cool. So in this episode, you're going to learn a number of things, including how Maria regained her independence, what it was like to join the Rolettes, the challenges of ableism, if you don't know what that is, you'll learn all about it, and how abled individuals can become allies. And you'll definitely want to check out the links in our show notes to see a Rolette's performance. You don't want to just hear Maria talk about it. You actually want to watch it. It's pretty amazing. So if you're listening on an iPhone, you can just swipe up to see the show notes. Or if you're on another kind of phone, go on to our website, insporising.com, and check out the episode. All right, let's jump into my conversation with Maria Rabaino. Well, Maria, thank you so much for taking time to hang with me today. Of course, thank you. Well, take us back to February 2012. Um, Obviously, not a great season of your life, but it's a very important season for us in terms of setting the tone for the conversation. What happened in February, and, and walk us through that part of your journey. So I was a college student starting my second semester, and I was a typical stressed out college student with trying to pay bills, trying to work enough, trying to study, wasn't really doing well in school. Um, And my tax return came back and I was going to make enough money to where I could pay rent for a couple of months and be a little less stressed because of that. So my friends invited me to go drink beer. I was the only one under 21 at the time. And so I said, yeah, but I'm not driving. Um, I'll have to ride with one of you guys. And so we dropped off my car at my apartment and they followed me and I just hopped into their car. We went, we were drinking beer, hanging out. It was a regular night. And then I woke up at the hospital and no memory of what happened, but I did look into it. It turned out that the driver had been speeding in the rain and he had been drunk. 
and he lost control of the car. We hit two trees, spun across the street and landed next to a bush. Uh, the seatbelt, while it kept me alive, it kept me from getting brain damage. It did break my back at the L1 level, which uh, damaged my spinal cord. Not completely. I have gained leg function over the years, but I am still a full-time wheelchair user. Mm. So you wake up. I can't even imagine this. You wake up in the hospital. You don't have memory. What's your, what are the first words that come out of your mouth? Who was the first person you see? The first person that I saw was my dad. I woke up looking up at my dad and I asked him what happened. He told me that I was in a car accident and I asked if my friends were okay. And he told me that the driver did not make it, um, which, and I was on so much medication that after that I fell asleep, but thinking about it, that was definitely not a good moment um, to find out what had happened. And I was trying to piece puzzles together while I was in and out because I was on so much medication at the time. But yeah. Man. And so how many days were you in the hospital? And then what was your next step out of the hospital? In total, I was in the hospital for about a month and a half. I was in pediatric ICU for couple of days. I want to say like four or five days. And then I was in trauma uh, for about a week and a half. And then I spent the rest of my time at Shriners Hospital for Children, which was across the street from the current hospital that I was at. Uh, They transferred me over there and I was spent the rest of my time there learning how to function in a wheelchair. What's going through your head? You're young, you're 20 years old, I guess. You're trying to figure out, okay, I've got my whole life in front of me. Like, are you devastated? Are you, are you crying all the time? Are you depressed? Are you like fired up and motivated? Like what's going on? I was so focused on getting my independence back and I have, my family is amazing. They're so supportive. They started making fun of me right away. We're like, Maria, you were the shortest person in the family then. You're still the shortest person in the family. Nothing's changed. Oh, man. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had a great support system, and I was in high spirits most of the time. I definitely had my moments um, where I was frustrated and angry, but for the most part, I was generally in high spirits and just motivated to get my independence because I don't want to move back into my parents' house. <laughs> I eventually did have to, but that was only temporary. Yeah. And and what about the relationships with those who you were with that night? How did how did that play out for you? Um the the other person that was in the car that did survive, we had we had a strong relationship when we were healing. We would talk we would kind of race each other like I got to take a shower today or I got to eat first. Um I went all the little stuff, the showering and the eating first, but he won the driving first and the moving out first. So, um, but we had a strong relationship for the healing process, but the driver who had passed away was his best friend. Mm. I had met him two weeks prior, so I didn't know him as well. Um, so I think he, we just kind of grew apart after we started healing. Um, and I definitely wish him the best and I hope he's doing well. Yeah. So as I've read about your story, a few months later, you were watching a uh, reality show on TV. Is that right? When I was still in the hospital, I was told about this reality show called Push Girls that came out. And I was so excited. You know, I get injured and right when I get injured, they're promoting a show about women in wheelchairs. Like, this is perfect timing. I could not be injured. 
Um, and then I, my, my family and I, we were all reaching out or we were looking everything up we possibly could. My dad and my mom found Chelsea's dad on Facebook and sent him a message. He called my dad and then Chelsea called me. And then a couple weeks later, and they Chelsea, drove up to Sacramento. Chelsea yeah. was a competitor. Uh, she was a competitor. I don't, I'm not sure about the show. But like she was on the show. Yes, she was on the show. Um, the show isn't a like competition. It's just about five women in wheelchairs and how they live their daily life. Gotcha. And Chelsea was one of the girls on the show. And she was my age. She was the newest injury on the show. She was about two years injured at the time. Um, and so it was just really exciting. And they called me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to a <laughs> reality TV star. Uh, and then they drove up from Monterey to Sacramento to meet me. And we talked for a little bit, got some advice from her. It was really great. A couple weeks after that, she called me and she said, I'm doing this dance camp and I want to see if you want to come. And I had no idea what I was doing in this chair, but I wanted to learn more. So being surrounded by other women in chairs, I said yes. And it was going to be a one-time thing. And it blew up into what everyone knows as the roulettes. Wow. And so you didn't have dance experience prior to that, but you had been a cheerleader. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you're showing up to this event. There are other women who are in chairs. What was that event like? What was it? That was probably one of the first times you were surrounded by other women kind of in a similar situation. What was that like? It was a lot of fun watching us try to get in in and out of hallways at the same time, uh, trying to get all of our chairs into a limited amount of cars. It was a lot of fun, but anytime we fed a, we met a challenge, we were just like, all right, let's figure it out. <laughs> it was so much fun. And just being eye level with everyone was so important to me. I loved just not having to crank my neck up to talk to somebody. Wow, yeah. So then there was some sort of synergy that began to happen there and a dance group was formed out of that initial experience. Um, tell us about the Rolettes. Like, what is it? How would you describe the style of dance? Who's yeah. involved? Just give us the background on it. So the Rolettes exist to empower women with disabilities and live boundlessly and shift perspective through dance. And we Dance is the activity that we do, but we know behind all the dancing, we really motivate other women who have disabilities or use wheelchairs or whatever else is going on in their life to just go for their goals and you can achieve it. Dance is the way that we reach for our goals. But um, in the beginning, we were just all, we were all scattered. We didn't all live in the same area. Some girls have come and gone, but most of the girls now live in LA. And uh, in the beginning, we would meet the night before an event and practice and perform that. And now we're practicing a lot more consistently coming up with new routines more often. And it's definitely become a lot more professional as we've figured it out because in the beginning it was again, supposed to be a one-time thing. So we're like, okay, how do we do this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How would you describe the style of, obviously there's a bazillion types of dance. Oh, yeah. How would you describe the style of roulettes? We mainly do hip hop or like today's best hits, um, but we have done a country routine, a jazz routine. We've done a variety of dances, but mostly hip hop is our style and it's a lot of fun. And where, where do you guys perform usually? 
We perform at a lot of the Abilities Expos, which is like a giant shopping mall for people with disabilities. And um, you can find things from vans, vans, ramps, clothing, wheelchairs, the whole shebang. Um, And we've gone last year to a lot of bigger performances. We met the Rockettes. We competed for the first time at the ICU World Championships for the Parachair Hip Hop Division. And uh, we've just, it's been everywhere. It's hard to pick places where we frequently go because we go to a lot of places. Yeah, that's awesome. What is the reaction when people see you dancing as a, as a group for the first time? Like, what's the reaction from people who maybe are disabled and people who are able? Like, you know what I mean? Give me, give me what people are saying and thinking. People are just in love that we're doing what we're doing. And like, this was amazing. I'm so happy I got to see this. Some people say they're intimidated to talk to us afterwards, but we're just as excited to meet them as they're excited to see us. And so we're just immediately like, hi, how are you? And just, it's always a positive reaction to people. We we're always excited to see them. They're excited to see us. And I love it. That's awesome. Uh, well, I know that you guys put on, I don't know if it's happened more than once, but I know that it's coming up in 2019, something that you call the Rolex experience. And I watched the, the kind of the, um, the video that highlighted last year's and I was like, I had chills. It was just so exciting to watch this video and we'll link to it in our show notes for sure. But what is the Rolex experience? The Rolex experience is a dance camp for women in wheelchairs. The first camp that I went to all those years ago before it was officially a team was a quote unquote Rolex experience, but it was private, basically invite only. And then throughout the times we expanded a little bit, we had maybe like 16, 20 girls attend. Um, And then last year we had over a hundred women attend the Rolex experience from 10 different countries. We had over 20 kids attend as well. And it just, it blew up. We made it public. We accepted kids. We worked really hard to bring people in. And the Rolex experience is, again, to empower other women with disabilities. And we do dance. We have makeup classes. We had a pajama party, a pool party. We had our Be Boundless Summit, which is an award show for all the people who have made a positive difference for the disabled community. I have seen online this this, um, mantra campaign effort called Be Boundless. Did the Rolex come up with that? Yes, we came up with the Be Boundless campaign. And over the years, anytime there was a news article about us or some sort of video, we were always, we always heard like wheelchair bound dance team does this, wheelchair bound girl does this. And we aren't bound to our chairs. We can transfer into it. This chair gives us the freedom to go and do what we want to do in our life. And so we started the campaign and we did a bunch of words or things where people would stereotypically ask us, like, do you sleep in your chair? Um, Mine was help over my face um, because sometimes it's hard to ask for help because we want to be independent women. And so we wanted people to know that they can live boundlessly and they should strive to be boundless, either physically, mentally, emotionally, do what they can to live a more independent life than they're already living. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Now, I know outside of the role that you also have your own kind of Facebook, Instagram, YouTube channel, Maria Muscles. Yes. Maria Muscle underscore. Maria Muscle. Okay. 
not, not multiple muscles, just one muscle. Uh, <laughs> so tell me about this. What is, what, it, what are you doing? So for a while I was, even though I was fine with being in a chair, I was still having a hard time adjusting and I had started gaining weight and I was completely oblivious to the weight gain, but I also was unhappy. I was tired more frequently, just down and just not in my normal self. And then one day, it was the start of 2017, I just was like, let me just try being healthier. Maybe, maybe that's all I need to do. And I started small. I cut out soda. I started eating healthier meals, not like the best, but healthier. And then um, I entered a fitness challenge. It was a free challenge online. And uh, that was where the working out started. And before that, I was trying to, I was having a hard time finding workouts that fit for me. If you look up adaptive workouts, it's mainly one person sitting in their chair doing bicep curls, which is great, (laughs) but I have more to me than biceps. And then if I looked up regular workouts, it was like squat jumps and can't do squat jumps. (laughs) Uh, So I had to find that middle ground of what's challenging me, but isn't impossible. And one of my friends was like, well, why don't you just hold on to your walker while you do squats? And I was like, why don't I? (laughs) (laughs) So I tried that and I filmed it and other people were getting more ideas for working out. And it just became a passion of mine to inspire people to live a healthiest life that they can. And it's, it's been amazing putting my videos up, people reaching out to me saying, I did not know what to do. And this video has helped me figure out other things that I can do to work out. That's why I do it. Thank you so much. That's awesome. You may not know the answer to this question, but do you happen to know how many individuals are using wheelchairs full-time in America <sighs> or even, I, don't, I know that's a random question. I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I do know that the disabled community in general, all disabilities, physical, mental is the largest minority group. Um, and I think I know in general, one in five people have a disability and at least half of the nation knows somebody with a disability. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And I also, I, I also read, uh, perhaps on the, the Rolex website that it's the only disability where anyone could uh, yes. experience that at any point in time. Yes. Yeah. Disability does not discriminate. Anybody can, we have one girl, Edna, she was, she became a spinal cord injury really young into her life. She wasn't even one years old. She was only a couple months old. She had a tumor on her back and when they were moving the tumor, that damaged her spinal cord. So she was a wheelchair user her whole life. I was in a car crash. Uh, Some girls they have um, where their immune system just attacks their spinal cord and they end up uh, paralyzed. It's called transverse myelitis. It's very rare, but we have two of the girls that are with us that um, have experienced experienced that. Um, So yeah, anybody can happen at any time, not age, not gender, not race, nothing. It, doesn't matter who you are, you could become disabled at any point in time in your life. Yeah. One of the terms that I've read on in your material is this term ableism. Yes. Uh, would you, for those who haven't heard that term, or maybe they don't know what it is, maybe define that and talk about how that's personally impacted your own life. So ableism is the prejudices against people with disabilities and, you know, things like we can't work, we can't get a job, we can't, um, get into a building because it's not ADA compliant. 
Um, and I've experienced it in a lot of different ways. The most frustrating ways is always the people's reactions. Um, sometimes it's, uh, there was this lady, she was parked in the extra space between the accessible spots. And I was frustrated, but I also wanted to educate her at the same time. So I pulled up in the spot next to her and I said, excuse me, this wait, isn't. Wait. You can drive? Yeah, right. Yeah, I can drive. <laughs> People don't really understand a lot of that. But yes, we have uh, hand controls for, for us to be able to drive. Sure, sure. And I pulled up next to her and I was like, excuse me, this isn't a parking spot. It's there so I can get my wheelchair out of the car. I, maybe, maybe my voice was more frustrated, but she's like, you don't have to be a bitch about that. Mm. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I do have a right to be frustrated at this. But it's, I mean, it's things from people ignorantly parking in the accessible spot or people, you know, you see comments of like um, people saying that we're just lazy or that we're doing this for attention, um, which isn't the case at all. And then, um, or even people who have hidden disabilities, people think that they're not really disabled because they don't see the disability. And it's, it's a large variety of things. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the most common misunderstanding that you encounter on a daily basis? People use wheelchairs for a variety of reasons, and it doesn't have to be because they're paralyzed. Uh, For me, I have leg function, not enough to walk, uh, but makes getting dressed a lot easier. It makes my balance a lot better. Um, But I mean, there are people who use wheelchairs that can walk but they can't walk long distances either because of respiratory issues or maybe they have fragile bones. Um, I mean, there's a whole variety. And so when people see me move my legs, they automatically think that I'll be walking next month or that I'm faking it or I'm in it for the attention. And it's a frustrating thing. For a while, I hid my leg function. I wouldn't really talk about it unless it was pointed out. And then I would kind of show it. But, um, when I started working out, I started embracing the leg function and dealing with the comments of you're using a wheelchair. That's not right. Um, which sucks, but I just got to educate them, show them what it is. Yeah. You know, um, I, I gotta, I gotta admit that I, I have, I guess I would say misunderstanding prejudiced, maybe it's ableism, when it comes to individuals who are different than me in terms of physical and even mental, uh, mental or cognitive capabilities. Um, I will find myself, I generally don't say anything because my mouth is shut. So I'm not going to be the person that's going to say something wacky, but in my head, I will have automatic thoughts that just bam, come into my like, well, wow, look at that. They're married or look at that. They're, driving or wow look at that they've got this job or you know whatever it is something that I am thinking is um uh unusual to me or, or yeah. different and um how how help somebody like me like that goes I'm like I'm not I, I don't uh I'm not trying to be rude hurtful I don't want to have ableism but at the same time, I just recognize, wow, I do have these thoughts that go, well, look at that. I didn't know they could do that. You know what I mean? And then I, yeah. then I, then I feel stupid inside. Like, well, why? You know, I start to ask myself, well, why wouldn't I think that they could do that? You know, like yeah. help somebody who like, you know, like me, who's 
wanting to be more thoughtful, more considerate, more open-minded, what what would you suggest? Coach me. I mean, look things up on social media, find the roulettes, find another wheelchair user because they'll learn a lot. We open up about our disabilities there more than anywhere else. And it's, it's a great starting point to realize it, that people can drive, people can get married um, and all this stuff. But um, when you see it on social media, you can see like how we do live just a normal life and we just need a little bit of we need to do it in a little bit of a different way with our hand controls so that way we can drive with our hands instead of our feet. Um, getting dressed is a little bit of a challenge, but it's easy for us now. We Learning the things that we have to learn is really easy. Learning the things that we want to learn is a bit of a challenge. Um, but I mean, it eventually just becomes secondhand nature for us and it's our, nor- our new normal. Um, And I mean, just anybody who doesn't know anything about disability, you can reach out to any of us on social media. We're the people who are the most open. There are some people with disabilities that don't like talking about it, but the ones on social media love opening up and love telling people like, we're great that you're curious. It's great. We're happy that you are. This is is how it is for us. And we're happy. Mm -hmm. I've also heard the term um, and being an ally uh, in the same way that... uh, obviously totally different situation, but someone who would identify as LGBTQ and goes, man, there are allies that are with us in this journey. How, um, what does it mean to go from just learning about something and being educated to actually being more proactive? I think of an ally as not somebody who's like, okay, I'm not going to do something hurtful or disparaging or negative, but I'm actually going to be proactive and move toward positivity. What would that look like? That would look like speaking up to when you see inaccessibility issues, because that is our biggest physical barrier. If you see a building without a ramp or without a wheelchair lift, hey, are you going to get that? Like people need with wheelchairs need this. Or if you see somebody parking into an accessible spot, maybe speaking up and saying, if you're not disabled and you don't have a placard, you should not be parking here. Uh, speaking up more about it, um, or even just sharing articles about us that educate more people. Because if somebody doesn't have a loved one in their life that has a disability, they generally don't think about it. I definitely didn't think about disability when I was first injured. Uh, I never thought about it before. Um, but learning about it, you know, just educating more people about it is always helpful for us. Mm-hmm. So let's just say, uh, last question, somebody's listening who has some sort of disability. It, maybe they're not in a wheelchair, but they're struggling with something. Of course. What would be your encouragement to them today? My biggest thing is always telling people to focus on what they can do instead of what they can't do. And so it, no matter what you're going through, uh, I totally believe in you to just focus on the things you can do. When I was on my fitness journey, I had no idea what I was doing and I was feeling discouraged because I couldn't find workouts that worked for me. And if I stuck on that path, I wouldn't have lost the weight that I did. So if instead of focusing on what you can do, you'll find out that you can surprise yourself and there are more things that you actually can do than you originally thought. Love it. Super inspiring, Maria. I just appreciate you sharing your story. And um, 
uh, I love uh, what the Rolettes are doing. And so we're, man, we're linked to all of the social media and connections with the Rolettes. And of course, what you're doing with your workouts. I've watched a, a couple of your videos and I was, I was tired just watching you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thanks so much. Of course. Thank you. If you want to learn more about Maria and the Rolettes, check out our show notes at insporising.com or swipe up on your iPhone now. By the way, if you've learned something from this episode or you've been inspired in any way, take a moment and tell a friend. Sharing your learning with someone else is a great way to solidify it in your own mind and heart. Tell them what you learned on the Inspiration Rising podcast. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss a single episode. Plus, you can go back and listen to all the other previous episodes. There's 19 of them, and you'll love them. I promise. All right. Today, may you be aware of the challenges that others face and look for ways to support, encourage, and advocate on their behalf. I'll talk to you next time.